Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. We go five to two and then reveal our one. At, well, oh, we all have the same one. If we don't, if yeah. we don't all have the same one, that's egregious. That, that's okay. egregious. Okay. <laughs> should, should we go at, one by one or? At, yeah, yeah. Let's go one by one. Bet. Let's go one by one. At number five, I have Bi. Okay. Brandon Ingram. We just talked about yeah, him. We so, uh, I, I, I love his game. I, I love his ability to, to you know, create for his teammates and create for himself. And the one thing he showed this past year. Uh, that then other than the years before was his ability to catch and shoot from three very very much improved shooter um off the catch and shoot so i got bi at five uh i'm with you entirely as well had brandon ingram as five i think he's at the if we separated our listen to tiers this would be like kind of the upper tier to me and brandon ingram yeah. is like the last name on this upper tier yeah so so to that point um i, I did want to mention this I knocked out my top five easily, almost in in seconds. It was six through ten where I had trouble and had to do more research. Hmm. My five is Trey Young. Mr. Trey Young. Hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming you guys have him higher because there's no way he's not on your list, right? Yeah. 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 I'm alive. Trey Young for me, immense potential. Um, But I'm a guy who always, when we talk about preferences, I'm going to look at how you are defensively. And Trey Young is probably going to be one of the worst defenders in this league for the foreseeable future, and that just hurts to look at. As good as your offense is, and I, I'm not going to sit up here and deny the fact that offense you know, outweighs what you're capable of on defense, but I have to give it some credence to where if you're going to be uh, – if your team has to attempt to hide you defensively, it's going to pose problems. So that's why I have him at five primarily is because on that end of the floor, the dude is uh, pretty, pretty, pretty bad. But see, but you have Donovan Mitchell at six, though, right? I do, and I don't think Donovan Mitchell is like an egregiously bad defender. He's not egregiously bad, but for what people thought he might be, I mean, uh, sure, we can get into what like potential, but like Trey Young. But also, he's not he's not a good defender. Donovan Mitchell is not a good defender. But he's not that, like that's a guy bottom there. five defense. Like it's not like you have to be like, oh God, we have Donovan Mitchell guarding whoever. Like it's Trey Young's a bottom five defender in this league. Like it's it's pretty that's bad. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Let's I'm just saying, on. coaches will also have to hide Donovan Mitchell as well, though. It's, I mean, we can talk about like defense in, in totality as well, and how I don't, why I don't put that much of an onus on defense is because, um, you know, it, it's a five-man game in terms of a team defense. It, it's never really an individual thing. It's there's so many more moving parts, so that's why I don't think one player makes or breaks a defense. Like one player can make or break an offense, but I don't. That, that's a whole different conversation, I guess. Sure. Uh, number four, Julio. Uh, at number four, I had Trey, <laughs> Trey Young. Um, so it's not so, that, I mean, it's not that egregious, like five and four. Like, shoot. So the, the, the thing with Trey Young is that I think he can unlock so many different things in your offense. He, 
He's, I mean, he's so magical when you watch him on the court. And maybe it's that bias that when I watch him, it's like, man, I wish I could have played like that. It's like he shoots from half court. His handles are insane. Um, he plays the pick and roll, you, you know, uh, uh, amazingly. So, yeah, I got, I got Trey at, at four. So I have Jason Tatum at four. And um, I'm actually, because I had Tatum at four and Ingram at five, that, that those two players were, you know, players that I think earlier in the year, I was like, um, I could go either way with it. At times, I, I thought Brandon Ingram was better than Tatum. Um, a lot of people would disagree because Tatum was clearly a better defender, like an all-NBA level defender, while Brandon Ingram had struggles. But again, you know, talking about the defense, um, if you're not a world beater, a game changer on defense, I don't think it's that important. Um, would you not again, consider Tatum Jason really Tatum defender, to be that level think, of defender? Because I, I honestly would. Um, I don't think so. I mean, he's not. If he's not Draymond Green, if he's not Anthony Davis, if he's not Ben Simmons, I like, wouldn't put him up no, there. There's only about five. Exactly. So I think in the league, there's only five or six world class defenders that like completely alters how teams have to play because of the defense. Otherwise, you can be good at sticking players individually. You know, you can be a good help defender. Whatever it is, but I don't think you're changing the course of the game for 48 minutes or however much you play on the court, if that makes sense. But again, I mean, Reagan, you know me as a guy who hates defense or whatever. But um, I have Tatum at four and a little bit above Ingram, if only because I think his shot-making skills have uh, gotten better when he was playing in the bubble, along with his playmaking. He's someone I docked lower before because I thought that um, he couldn't really pass the ball. Like, he, he didn't quite know how to use you know his playmaking skills to his advantage but in the bubble it started showing up and that's a really good sign for his game the one thing that's still missing though and why i have him at four is that he still doesn't know how to finish um he's for for everything else that a part of his game that is really good he's still like maddeningly maddeningly inefficient at the rim and he can't draw fouls and if you're going to be a scorer especially a wing scorer um you can't be a great scorer if you don't have a consistent way to get points. And the only way to consistently get points is to go to the line or, you know, get close, um, finishes close to the basket. That's why we talk about like James Harden and why he's so good is because you need to be able to have an outlet where you know, you're going to get points over and over again. And right now I still think Tatum is still reliant on mid range jumpers, tough shots, three pointers. And if he goes cold, you're talking about two of 15 nights, three of 18 nights. And that's the only thing that's still holding him back. I mean, the thing with Tatum and finishing, what I've noticed is like he's a guy like Trey Young, I wouldn't consider to be a vertical finisher, but he knows how to work angles on the basket, right? Jason Tatum is not that apt with working angles on the basket, so he has to be a vertical finisher, but he's not. He When he jumps, it tends to be more lateral than it is upward, and that kind of puts him in a tough position when you're talking about Rudy Gobert sniffing down your neck and you have to maneuver that. So I think that's where I don't know if that's trying to be taught to him or if somebody's getting in his head about that. But, you know, that's where his finishing will have to come because we know he's capable of getting up. I've seen this dude dunk on LeBron James. He can get vertical. He just doesn't when he finishes a whole lot. So yeah, it's just he avoids contact. It, to me, it's very, very simple. He avoids contact. And whether you think he's skilled enough to you know, do a Kyrie jump away from the basket, extend his arm, you know, outward and finish that way. I mean, he, again, he's just not that type of player. And, and pure, simply, that's not even skill. That's just 
you're avoiding contact. You have to pursue that contact. And they're going to give it to you if you're a star in this league. So, I mean, that, that's a great point, Nutty. I, I, I didn't even think about his finishing, but it's, it's a great point. My four is actually Devin Booker. Um, is he higher for y'all? Yeah. What about you, Eddie? Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. This yeah. is interesting. So, okay. I, I think the my next guy is going to be where our, our list kind of took different turns. But Devin Booker is a guy, I mean, shoot, we don't have probably – there's going to be a point in time where we're going to look at the NBA and look at Devin Booker as the best scorer in this league. Um, and that time is probably pretty soon. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like uh, The three guys I have ahead of him, it's not like I have anything bad to say about Devin Booker right now. I have all the world of great things to say about Devin Booker. It's just I like the, I happen to like the three guys ahead of him a little bit more. So, I mean, I really don't have anything negative to say about his game. Yeah. Uh, okay. So- yeah, so at number three, I have Jason Tatum. And again, my number four was Trey Young. And as much as I love Trey Young, as much as I want to put him higher, because uh, I think he can transcend an entire game and your whole team, um, the difference between him and Tatum is obviously the defensive end and not being an extreme liability on that end. So to that point, uh, that, that's why I had Tatum at three. And because, so, you know, that, that's why I had him above Trey Young, but I'll get to why I had him below my, my top two. Okay, so I have Trey Young at three, and Trey Young's a guy that I've loved since day one coming into the league. I mean, even when he was at Oklahoma, I think it's hard for anyone to watch him in college and not well, like his game. I mean, there's a lot of people, Eddie, and I hated this too. That were you know were da- very doubtful about Trey Young. That that's that's a good point to point out because I mean, people were very very critical of him coming out of college. I, true. I do I do remember like people calling him like he took too many shots, like you know controlled the game too much and all that. And the funny part is he he did some of the same stuff when he was in Atlanta, but that's just his game. And if you're a coach of your general manager and you're not building your team around him like that then you're doing it wrong. Um, he just fundamentally alters how a team looks and how a team functions on the court. And he, and he you know, alters it for the better. Um, and, and I know we talked about his defense. Again, I think, you know, you can hide him on defense or you can make him at least teach him over the years to be semi-passable, like what the Warriors did with Steph Curry. And, you know, that'll be... Not even as good as Steph, though. No, might, I mean, the thing is... Because of the size. Yeah, that's, that's but, the thing. You, you can tell him to move his feet. You can teach... You can teach any defender in the league to be passable. I no. fundamentally believe. That. I mean, passable, not not average, not not even below average, not great, not good, just passable. Um, not to the point where you're getting played off the court, unless you're a center, maybe. I, don't I know mean, Trey Young will never I get played off the court. Oh, here's the center bias again. But no, <laughs> but Trey Young will never get played off the court simply by product of how good he is offensively. Like for every point that he gives up or two points that he gives up, he's giving you four or five on the other end. But, you know, I, I, I don't think that Trey Young's ever going to be even a passable defender in the league just because of the size, man. Like, unless, you know, I don't even think you'd want him to bulk up because that's just not his style of play. Um, he's going to have dudes running whoever offense on him for however long his career is in this league. And whoever offense, for those of you who don't know, whoever is on Trey Young, go get you a bucket because he can't defend you. It's just that, like, I've seen... Houston, when they played the Warriors, and I know Steph is not Trey, but their game plan essentially was James Harden switch Steph Curry on you, 
And, you know, like the Warriors for a six-game, seven-game series made it work by deploying, you know, multiple, um, you know, multiple kind of defenses to, to thwart that. So, again, I think defense is something that it, it's, it's something that you can manage. It's something that you can teach to a certain degree more than you can the amazing, you know, genius skills that he has on offense. And, you know, talking about the offense, um, to me, like, I have Luka as a better player, and we're going to talk about Luka, obviously, you know, high on our list. But if I'm a team, I almost wonder if I would rather build around Trey than Luka, if only because his numbers, when you talk about his three-point shooting, it's better. When you talk about his potential to play off the ball, I like that better. Um, I think Luka, again, I think Luka's a better player. But when you're talking about guys that are so ball-dominant, I think Trey Young maximizes the skills that makes him ball dominant in a better way. When I talk about his passing, his pick and roll playmaking, his shooting and his off ball ability. I mean, those are all like elite things that he can do. And I know his shooting numbers haven't been great yet, but I think, you know, we haven't seen the best of it. Hmm. I mean, to, to me, that's how I made my list. Each guy that I viewed, that's how I make my top 10. Who would I rather build my team around? And I'd rather build my team around one than two than three than so on and so forth. So I, I definitely that, see I, that's how I thought of it. I, I definitely see different philosophies here because I was kind of I, I was giving credence a pretty significant amount of credence, honestly, to like what you've already done versus what I think you're capable of. I gave credence to both, but honestly, I think Trey Young's a guy, especially given what the Hawks have done throughout this offseason, it's very realistic that by the end of next season, people are like oh, yeah, this dude can ball. Like, he's been sitting down there with a pretty trash team for a while, and he's been dropping, you know, 31 points a game, darn near 10 assists a game pretty silently. Um, for people who've been tuned into what Trey Young has been doing, it's been impressive. But the second that dude gets somewhat of a stage to perform on, people are going to start to see, like, okay, we we can see why a team maybe traded up for uh, for Luka Don or traded up for Trey Young um, instead of what Luka went fifth in that draft, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, like maybe I can understand why the Hawks did that. You know, yeah, I think it might what, become a little bit more what, clear. He wasn't on a trash team. He had Cam Reddish. He had John Collins. Anyways. He had DeAndre Hunter, anyways, bro. Anyways. These are ballers, dog. So that's two ballers. things that I figured out that you hate is, is heavy basketball players and rookies. You would be the worst coach of all time, bro. Like I, <laughs> I love I love rookies who I know are are for sure good you like love Trey rookies Young who just and, pop off you know. from the jump I, I you want no player development whatsoever i don't need you don't you don't have time man i drafted you let's go I, that's, that's funny <laughs> right. man. um yeah, okay so, but just, just the last word on trey young i mean you talked about he basically averaged 30 and 10 last year like it's hard for players to average 30 and 10 like people think that you can just whatever pull some numbers out of a hat and get 30 and 10 like that's difficult there's there's a reason why pretty much only what two or three other players did that last year and then you know talking about his passing ability you know not just kind of the passes he can make but the way he reads them the way he can manipulate defenses to make those passes um i thought for a while that james harden was the best passer in the league but i think trey young is now the number one passer in the league and, and we're gonna see that going forward uh, I, I, I mean he's definitely in the conversation but when I when I when I see that question in my mind, I, my head goes to LeBron and D'Angelo. D'Angelo is is a great passer. Um, but at number two, I have. I didn't say my three, sir. Oh, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I, I have the floor. 
and my three, and I think, like <laughs> I said, this is where we kind of diverged a little bit in our respective lists. I have Ben Simmons, man. I have Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons, first of all, you guys know how much I adore great defensive players. And I don't think that there's a single player in the NBA with as much defensive. I mean, okay, let me not go that far because Anthony Davis. But he's in a different echelon of defensive upside. When we talk about a guy that will literally be capable of shutting down your guard or your center if he has to. Either one, he can shut him down. We talk about a guy that we talk about the best passers in the NBA. Ben Simmons is right up there. When we talk about the best players in the fast break in the NBA, Ben Simmons is right up there. When we talk about, like you mentioned, somebody who can run the pick and roll both as the, the ball handler and the roll man, that's Ben Simmons. We, we've talked about on this podcast before how none of us really think that Ben Simmons is being utilized correctly, or at least he hasn't been in years past in Philadelphia. I think once we see Ben Simmons, and I think it's imminent now that you have Daryl Morey in the fold, whether or not he chooses to to ride things with Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, or he ships Ben Simmons off elsewhere, or he set, ships uh, Joel Embiid off elsewhere, Ben Simmons' situation is going to change pretty soon. And whatever situation he steps into, that's going to be a better look for him than it has been in years past. And that's when we're going to see the full unlocking of what Ben Simmons is capable of. That's why I have him at three, because I'm betting that that version of Ben Simmons is going to be an all-NBA player, a perennial all-star, a championship-caliber player, all of the above. I think Ben Simmons is a special caliber of talent, man, on both ends of the floor. I know the jump shot's a little iffy, and I, you know, I, I just got into the a whole little. thing. I mean, it's Yeah, it's a lot of iffy. It's a lot of iffy. And I just got into the entire thing of like, okay, what are you doing come playoff time? Can you get your team a bucket when the game slows down? But for what he provides in every other aspect of the game, it's absolutely ridiculous, man. Ben Simmons is my three guy. And, and the thing about Ben Simmons is that I think what he most needs or his best, I guess, I, I don't even want to say Robin because in this league today, you need, you know, two, maybe three superstars to be able to win a championship. But what he needs the most, um, in my opinion, are, are, got, are combo guards like Dame, Trey. I know Trey's not really much of a combo guard, but Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, guys like that who can really unlock the offensive side of things and play, you know, aren't terrible playmakers and passers who can play off of and with Ben Simmons alongside him. So I, I think that's the way you optimize Ben Simmons too. And I can't even be mad that, you know, you have him that high. Um, when I talk about the few guys that really fundamentally alter teams on defense, Ben Simmons is one of those guys. Yeah. And I think going forward, um, unfortunately, Jonathan Isaac got hurt. But, you know, it's, it's between Isaac and Ben Simmons as I think the two game-changing defenders i mean even more so than anthony davis because again really? i still believe that isaac and ben simmons has you know the ability to really match guards like step step for step um on defense and like really truly lock them down interesting that i think that's a debate for another day i, I very much like jonathan i mean i'm t- that's where i'm tapped in like defensively i'm tapped into who's clamping up around the league but jonathan isaac over anthony davis Put a pin in that. We we can we can talk about that another day. Um, but yeah, that's my three. Julio, now the floor is yours. Who's your number two? Number two, I got D Book. Mm. I mean, the reason why I had him over Tatum is just because and, and don't get me wrong, Tatum's obviously good and, and maybe even great on the offensive end. And you know, his skill is, is pretty, you know, not not transcendent, but pretty great. 
but Devin Booker is transcendent on the offensive end. I mean, he's just so much smoother. He can create separation more, you, you know, naturally than Jason Tatum. Um, and again, he does so at all three levels, I, I think, better than Jason Tatum. And I th- that's a guy who might be my sleeper. He's not my main pick, but he, he, he'd he be my sleeper pick uh, uh, as MVP going into this year. Mm. Just because... I really think that, you know, not enough attention is paid to him, but I mean, his skill level, and you guys know I love wings that, uh, you know, just have so much skill, and Devin Booker is the epitome of that. And yeah, that's why I have him number two. How old is he now? Didn't he just turn 23 or 24? He came into the league at 18. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the dude's still very young. Let me see. I forget if he. I forget if he just turned twenty three or twenty four. And, and Devin um, Booker and Devin Booker. Uh, well, I, I guess there's three guys on this list: D. Book, Trey, and Luca are like the most skilled, easily players on this list. And offensively, I'd probably give the edge to D. Book. He's twenty four. So he just turned twenty four. Yeah. yeah. And and I remember I think ESPN posted about it, and I was like, "There's no way." I feel like he's been in the league forever. But that just kind of shows you what kind of ceiling he has. Um, I thought having Booker at two would would have been like my most controversial kind of take on this list. But I guess not since Julio, you also have him at two. But I mean, we kind of see eye to eye on these sort of things. Um, I'd venture to say that right now, Devin Booker is the most complete scorer in the league. If only because, you know, like James Harden kind of maximizes his game from the three, you know, and the layup. And, you know, and guys like Steph, you know, like mainly do their damage via, you know, the, the deep perimeter threes. But Devin Booker, I, I think just his his moves in the bag, like the things he can do, um, everything from dribble moves to altering timing to finishing, drawing fouls, uh, you know, like the whole package is really not one weakness no in we- his offensive game that, you know, you can really identify. And it used to be, you know, passing, but he's gotten so much better especially now that he's playing with another person that can handle the ball it used to be that he had to handle the entire load of the offense but we just saw what happens when you put ricky rubio next to him a a guy who can do a little bit with the ball um and all of a sudden devin booker's game becomes so much more efficient and looks so much better so i mean again I, i i'm super bullish on devin booker's game i mean whether you you look at the numbers whether you look at the game tape you know the I mean, especially if you watch the game tape, it's really not another guy in the league that just looks better watching it. Like, I could watch hours and hours of, like, highlights and game tape of him. That's how I feel about John Morant. I feel the same way. My number two was actually Jason Tatum. And, you know, I guess that's becoming a theme for me the entire podcast, but maybe I value defense a little bit more than is healthy for me. But I just really fuck with guys who can clamp up on that end of the ball. Um, that end of the ball. I'm talking like it's football. That end of the court, right, on both sides of the court, if your impact and your presence is felt, then I'm going to have that level of respect for you. Jason Tatum's another one of those guys. Yeah, Devin Booker is definitely better than him offensively, but for what he has in, on him offensively, I know that I can take Jason Tatum and not only – have him be and we've seen Jason Tatum be best player on a championship team we've seen him play at that caliber in the playoffs I know I can have that and I can also have my cake and eat it too and say on the other end of the ball Jason I also need you to go and obviously 
it's not one-on-one basketball, but I can have Jason Tatum go defend a Brandon Ingram or go defend a Devin Booker, and he can handle both loads on both sides of the ball. That's something that I, I value a lot, so um, that's why he's at two for me. But, but the, the difference between Devin Booker and uh, Jason Tatum for me is, is, though, there are times where, you know, it's a close game. Both teams aren't really getting buckets w- when the Celtics and the Heat were playing. And to me, it's almost like, and don't get, again, don't get me wrong, Jason Tatum, it, it, he has so much skill on the offensive end. But when I watch him just visually, the eye test, it's almost like it's so much more difficult for him to than Devin Booker to get his own shot and to get a good shot off of that. The the separation that Devin Booker creates, whether it's, you know, off of a, you know, crossover, off of screen and roll or just step backs, I mean, more than Jason Tatum, it looks more natural. It looks, you know, it looks smoother and it just looks easier for him. Like he's expending less energy. Um, so that that's why I edge it out to, to deep book, but I, I do understand your defensive point with, with Tatum. I'm trying to remember who it was that Devin Booker was on when he was in high school. There's footage of him out to, out there playing somebody one-on-one when he was in high school, and he was giving him buckets. And this is like a, a, a known NBA player. might have been Kevin Durant. I forget, but like point being, Devin Booker's been at this for a long, long, long time. He's been getting buckets on high-caliber basketball players for forever, and the only time he really wasn't getting buckets like that is when he went to college and played at Kentucky. They they kind of stifled him a little bit, but no, I mean, Devin Booker, I, I can't get mad at anyone who's putting Devin Booker at two through anywhere on this list because Devin Booker's that, I mean, anything past four is probably egregious, but Devin Booker's that dude. Shall we all... So, s- I assume that we all have the same, I mean, we know we all have the same person at number it's un, one. It's so. unquestionable. Shall it's we, unquestionable. Shall we um, say it at the same time? Three, three two, two, one. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. There it is. <laughs> of course, of course. And, and um, man, I, I'm going to restrict myself from saying what I, I just had in my mind, but um, just because we might use it for a future pod, but Luka is just, he transcends, you know, not only his team, but he makes the, the, the opposing team, you know, change their whole game plan for him. I mean, it's literally tailor-made for Luka Doncic, just like it is for Braun and, and, you know, a lot of other great players. But when, you know, Luka obviously plays point, but he, I consider him a wing. I know you guys don't. But my point being is that he's 6'7", he's a big body, so he has no trouble with you know, getting to the line, getting to the paint and finishing there. And, and although he may be slow and methodical and not super athletic, I mean, his skill levels to the point where he almost doesn't need it. Right. I mean, and yeah, I, and, and uh, you know, his mid range is, you know, I don't even need to talk about it. And where he really can improve his game is his efficiency, you know, with the three point shot. But th- I feel like that's going to come with a better shot selection a little bit of better shot selection and just, you know, improvement with his own shot, you know, shooting off the dribble and shooting off the catch. Um, My only downside with Luca is what Eddie always says about the Mavericks. How much better can this team get? That's maybe the only negative I have. That's not even a negative part about his game. Just, you know, the construction around Luka Doncic. He dominates the ball so much. It's like, what pieces can you really put around Luka Doncic that, you know, you need stars to help you, you know, multiple stars to help you win a championship. 
but you can't really get ball dominant people because I mean he's the he probably has the highest or second highest usage rate in the NBA. So that's probably the only downside to Luca. But other than that, I mean, he almost has no weaknesses in his game on the offensive end. I mean, your worry is interesting because you you worry about how much better Dallas can get. My worry is how much better can Luca get. And don't get me wrong by any means here. If Luca peaked right here where he was at and he never got any better at basketball, he's going to be a top five player in this league for a decade. But, and I think I had this concern, you were with me here, Eddie, we both kind of had this concern at the end of last year, is how many more steps can he take? When I look at Luka Doncic right now, the places where he can improve is pretty marginal because he does everything so well. And he's not going to become, you know, the worst thing about his game is like you mentioned, that quick twitch, the athletic, and he's not going to become a better athlete out of the blue. You're born with that or you're not. So when I look at him play, I, I wonder where's where where's the the next leap coming is there another leap for Luka Doncic or is there going to be marginal improvement in certain areas to to me it's um both when it's because I I don't want to confuse people when I say finishing at the basket I don't just mean you know literally you know shooting a layup and going up and trying to finish at the basket with the contest Luka Doncic you know he'll hop on two feet spin move it and do a little two-foot shot but I think he can really improve at the initial aspect of what I mentioned, you know, really finishing, you know, purely jumping at the basket. He can improve on his three-point shooting, like I said. And I feel like he can improve. I don't want him to fall into the trap that James Harden, you know, fell into, where he became so great at what he did, he doesn't want to do anything else. James Harden does not move when the ball is not in his hands. Mm. He stays stagnant, and he almost refuses to be engaged into the game. So... Uh, uh, whether, you know, you implement a, a little uh, of what Steph does. That's why Steph is dangerous. Steph is so dangerous because of what he can do off of the ball. That's probably his most lethal weapon because he creates so much separation and with what Steve Kerr does. Um, so I, I feel like improving his game uh, on, on an aspect where he doesn't have the ball. What, what situations can you put him in and how can you make him dangerous off the ball? I mean, you got to use actually, him as an off-ball screener, I feel like, just because he's a little... I thick. actually... Um, so I actually worry about how Luka can improve the least um, among, like, the Dallas team and, and, and everything. I don't think there's another leap for him. Like, it, it's almost hard to imagine what a leap would look like. But it's hard for me also not to imagine that he just gets better and better and better every year. We see this with, you know, really smart scores. Um, every time, especially when we compare him to like James Harden, James Harden was, you know, age 28, 29, 30, 31. And he was still figuring out ways to get better as a scorer every single season. Some players are just so insanely smart and knows the game of basketball and every ins and outs that, you know, they can diagnose the most, you know, microscopic of things and figure out ways to get better. And, you know, people like us, ordinary fans, like, you know, maybe even if we're really good in the analysis, like we can't even figure that out because, you know, only the player with the ball in their hands can read these things. But I'm glad that you mentioned, Julio, about, you know, kind of Dallas's ceiling and what Lucan can do if he's that high ceiling of a player. Um, a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't want to compare him to James Harden, but I really think he plays the almost entirely the same kind of game as James Harden. Um, for whatever reason, there's two different receptions. But again, he needs to get that efficiency up um, to really be the kind of A1 player on a championship team. Otherwise, there's always going to be 
you know, some sort of issues. Dallas already constructed such a great offense around him this year for him to have maximum success. So clearly, you know, th- there's going to be some more steps to really be make Dallas a championship team, you know, year after year after year. And that's why, like, I know we all have Luka at number one, but I don't think it's that big of a separation between one, two, and three for me with Luka, Devin, and, and Trey Young. So mm. some people have him, like, firmly a tier above. I don't think it's that big of a separation, even though I think it'd be ridiculous for anyone to say Luka's not the best under-25 player in the game right now. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that said, we only have a couple of minutes to spare here, but I do want to get a couple of names from you guys to throw out, guys that you think maybe guys people wouldn't consider right now but could start entering this conversation after next year whether it's a draft prospect whether it's a guy who you think wait, is just been waiting wait, 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 wait. Opportunity. I, i'm sorry I, i'm sorry to cut you off reagan no all good man but do you do you did you got i was waiting for y'all to call me out on something hmm who did i not have on the list you not have Zion on there? There you go. Oh, there you go. Julio, we have five minutes, dog. <laughs> and I can talk about this. I'll just say this, man. I do not like the narrative that certain players are injury prone because of how they play. I, I, I get it's undeniable. the it's undeniable. I get the narrative that certain times when you have injuries, it makes you susceptible to more injuries because muscular imbalances occur. I would hope that the training staff in New Orleans is better, is good enough to make sure that doesn't happen for Zion. But just because a guy jumps a lot, lands a lot, you know, I don't think Zion's displayed any part of, you know, how he carries himself physically that would make him susceptible to more injuries. That's how his body's constructed. He's not landing on one leg like he's Derrick Rose. He's not, you know, falling all over the place like he's John Morant. And I, it scares me when John Morant does it. Zion's in control of himself nine times out of ten. Yeah, but there, there, are, there, are, two, there are two aspects of the, of the injury conversation. There is an A... Uh, uh, what you naturally are, whether you're naturally injury prone, like uh, Brandon Roy, or whether you're not naturally injury prone, like let's say a LeBron James. And there's the there's the how you take care of your body, and this is where I go to Zion. Zion, a, a, as much as I, I know, you know, people goes. talk about his natural, the you know, fat phobia is weight. fuming right now. It's this is his natural emanating you know, through my screen. This is his natural build and weight, but you cannot tell me that he does not have the ability to lose 25 pounds and become more 25? That doesn't put him at at a super disadvantage. That's like a child. He's the the single heaviest player in the NBA. You don't think he can be fifth on that list? Bro, 20, okay, so he's 270. He's packing what, 270 right now? So you think he can get down to 245? Yeah, 245. Two, let's do 250. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. I mean, 20 pounds ain't no joke to put on or or take off. He can definitely do that. And I don't believe he's 270, by the way. I think he's more. But that's He a, might be that's 280. I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was either 270 or 280. But uh, I, I don't know. Losing 20, losing 20 pounds does not put him at an inherent disadvantage. He, he will still have his, you know, strength advantage. He will still have his leaping advantage, except now it would be less harsh on his knees. He's had five, you know, not five major injuries, but five significant injuries since high school. That's not something you play with. Let me tell you this. Here's how you protect your knees. And it's not just about cutting weight. 
it's about it's exactly it's you got it's strengthening the muscles around your knees to make sure that you're have you seen his calves they're huge right so that's what i'm saying like he's on as long as he maintains his strength around his knee he will be okay but he's still getting hurt I'm saying the I I don't believe that the injuries that have occurred to Zion Williamson are as a product of some injury proneness that he has. I think there's there there there's circumstances that happen to every other NBA player, right? Do we look at Ben Simmons as a guy who's injury prone? No. Has Ben Simmons been injured a lot? Hell yeah. He had the back injury. Ben Simmons was injured in in the beginning of his career, and he's been. I remember he's sat out. He's had to sit out certain parts yeah, throughout his the, career as well. He had the fractured foot or something. Like, oh. no one's looking oh, at Ben I mean, Simmons like he's injured. I think people had this notion because pre-draft, Zion Williamson was, like, damn near the perfect prospect, right? Like, there was nothing to say about him other than the fact that maybe he might be a little bit injury-prone because of how big he is and that because I mean, he tore his I mean, meniscus, now people kind of overblow it to be a thing to where Zion Williamson has this doomsday waiting on his career. I don't think that's the case at all. I, I, I mean, even if that narrative was never started by, you know, media companies like, you know, ESPN and Fox, I mean, I would still have that concern with Zion. And my thing is, why did he look so, I don't want to say terrible from a basketball standpoint, but why did he look so, you know, physically and, you know, conditioning wise, so tired in the bubble? Because You have months to prepare your body, bro. To rest your body, to get, you know, conditioning-wise, to get prepared, to get your stamina up. And you, you're you still, I mean, they're playing you five minutes in five-minute spurts in the book. Oh, when you had Was it because of stamina or was it because they were trying to protect their, their investment in Zion? Wait, wait, wait. Why are you, why are you protecting him if you're not concerned of, of, of those things? Because he was just coming off the meniscus. No, I mean he was totally fine. He was totally. What fine I'm saying is, the right? They, they're, they're, they're in their minds. They're like, let's get him out there. Let's let him run. But let's not push it because he did have this injury a few months ago. We're not going to be out here competing for championships anytime no, soon. Was, let's not push it with the dude. He was, he was already playing like 20 minutes per game. Before 20 the, minutes per game. Yes, like that. That's that's like backup minutes. I mean, why why were they protecting him even more during the bubble when he had four months off? extra rather than before the pandemic when you did. make an investment you protect your asset that is them protecting their asset why didn't they protect their asset before the bubble they did protect their asset before the bubble he played like 15 to 20 minutes a game i remember there were the first game zion came back zion should have been in the, at the, entire tail, game. At the tail at the tail end of those games he was playing more minutes than he did initially at the bubble when he had four extra months but my point is like that i'm saying when you have that sort of asset to your team right and you're not comfortable or you're not saying you're you're not gonna fucking put him out there and he might not be ready for for the occurrences of playoff why basketball he why isn't he ready just say it julio you don't like him because he's fat just say it 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 with your chest john ja, ja, ja morant should trey young should only play 20 i mean damn d book should only play 25 you're naming minutes, skinny yeah. people I will. I will say, as the as the person who unfortunately had to learn a lot more about knee mechanics and keeping your knee safe after my surgery, everything about Zion's like mechanics really aren't bad. But the fact that he suffered cartilage injuries, especially at that age, and with yes. the impact he puts, you know, with the force and the weight, is oh, isn't no, great no. for his long term career. I don't think you know he'll like tear his ACL or something, or he's at higher risk of that. 
but you know the impact sort of stuff that you know you, you talk about long-term you know sustenance that's the stuff that you start getting a little bit you know worried about yeah, and that and would ha- that, that Orleans- happens to NBA players across like that that's not just Zion that's not a Zion problem we talk about Kawhi Leonard uh, but, but, same issue tendonitis let's be- take some go ahead but the thing is, we're going to be talking about Zion like, you know, NFL people talk about running backs. You know, like his lifeline might start, you know, looking a little bit, what do you call it, like, like the end of his days by the time he's like 28. And and the thing is, he can still be great in the 10 years, 8 years between now and then. It's just that that, that has to be a legitimate concern. And the fact that New Orleans right now is still talking about minutes plans maybe resting back to back oh. having having to come with a season-long plan of how to work zion still? this year it's a it's a sophomore year yeah like they're talking about it you know it, oh. it has to be just a little bit like concerning it's a little bit of a red flag if he was skinny y'all wouldn't say nothing y'all and, didn't say well, nothing yeah, he might not have these problems. We, we didn't we didn't and, and, we and didn't say and, nothing and, about and, joel Embiid, right when joel Embiid was doing all this do we i don't like i don't I, I prefer Joel Embiid to lose weight too. What weight does Joel Embiid have to lose? Well, I mean, Joel Embiid is never in great shape. I mean, exactly. He's, he's not in great shape. Documented. What I'm saying is, like, he's not walking around with like you know baby fat. Like, I don't think Joel Embiid has significant Bro, weight to lose. Cheeseburgers before games. Oh, send him but to like, the fucking prison. Throw him under the prison. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ, I, he ate a cheeseburger? Yeah, Throw yeah. him under the prison. Leave him the... the, that's, part the that's, that's part of the reason why you trade him. He's not a great locker you room. You trade... Jo- you heard it here first. Julio Martinez would trade Joel Embiid because he ate a cheeseburger before a game. And, and here, and You are Billy about, Bean in, in basketball, bro. <laughs> and, here, and here's the thing about Zion. You said he, had, he, he doesn't have bad mechanics, Eddie. I see it the total opposite. Have you seen how he walks? I, I wish this podcast had oh, a camera. Oh my this god! Man walks like... <laughs> this man... well, I'm just, I'm just talking about jumping and landing. They're, they're very, they're actually really sound if you look at it. But it's not, it's not just the weight thing for me too, because I'm super concerned about John Morant and the fact that he lands on one leg when he jumps. Like yeah. that to me is, is yeah. more about like that's we're that's, about that's scary like, to me. When that I look at me. when I look at Zion jumping and landing, nothing about it is like oh god he does he needs to stop doing it like that. Like you said, the mechanics are all fine, and as long as his legs are strong and he has strong calf muscles and he has strong quads and strong hamstrings that are taking the brunt of that far. landing and not his knees, he will be straight. Worked, it hasn't worked for him thus far, bro. Bro, it's not that deep. Let, 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 let's let's talk about our honorable mention. Yeah, let's 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 get into it. The the, <laughs> the 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 fat phobia is just fuming through my screen right now. It's it's insane. But yeah, as I was saying, couple of players, one or two maybe that you guys think that could enter this conversation that people maybe might not attach to the top ten or fifteen players under twenty five that uh that could be entering this conversation pretty soon. Yeah, so my my two players are Shea Gilgis Alexander and De'Aaron Fox. Mm. I my I I love uh, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander's game more, but I think uh, just to be objective, De'Aaron Fox can be can be maybe not at the top five of this list, but I I, I mean I'm I'm willing to say if ever if everything breaks right for him, uh, he can be at the top five of this list and. I mean, his defensive potential is obviously there. Out of college, he was known as a defensive stout. His speed is remarkable. I mean, he's a top three guy in the NBA in terms of speed with Russ. And, you know, when John Wall was 
100% healthy. So those two things are solid and, you know, taken care of. He plays a pick and roll pretty nicer, pretty nicely. Uh, his passing ability is, isn't, you know, amazing or remarkable like a Trey Young or Ron or Luca. But, I mean, it's definitely a strong suit of his. His, his issue, um, I don't even want to say scoring ability because he does have the ability to shoot mid-range, you know, at a pretty good clip, at least in the games that I've watched him. But his three-point shot isn't amazing. But what gives me confidence with De'Aaron Fox is his form. His form is not ugly at all. And maybe it's that lefty, uh, uh, you know, bias. Whenever you see a lefty, it's, like, super pretty. And, you know, you just think it's going to go in all the time. But his form is not ugly at all. So I, I think he has a potential to really crack the top five of this list. Um, and it's really a guy that I had, you know, top 11 or 12 right outside of this list. But, uh, um, and of course, the other name is Shea Gilgis Alexander. I, I just think his skill level is insane, and he can improve so many parts of his game um, where he can really be a game changer for so many teams. Hmm. So for me, the other four names I was considering on the top 10 was Bam, you know, like it was on your list. Uh, Donovan Mitchell were, was on your guys' list. Man, you didn't have um, D- Donovan Mitchell on there? I, I mean, I feel like I've said so many times that I don't like Mitchell's game that much. It's fair. Um, it's fair. It's fair. It's like for everything people talk about, like he doesn't have a consistent way of getting buckets. He doesn't go to the line a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't really a good passer until the bubble, and I want to see more of that. And then defensively, he's not great. So and wh- I think I think he's good, but, you know, like I, I don't know. It's not quite what- there for me. And the exact thing you said for Jamal Murray is the same sentiment I have towards Donovan Mitchell. If if Donovan Mitchell did not have this bubble performance that he just had, I would not have him in my top ten list. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going. I'm just. I'm not saying I'm purely going off of the bubble, but I'm hoping these two players can continuously and consistently perform that. Cows and hogs, baby. but yeah. So Bam, Donovan Mitchell, Bam, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and DeAndre Ayton were the four that I was considering for See, the top ten, but didn't I'm- make it. I'm surprised that you didn't have Aiden on there because I know how much you, you mess with Aiden's game. I think Aiden might have, you know, more to progress, but I don't think those four players will ever quite, like, consistently be in the top ten the way I look at it. The two players that I look at that if things break right and they can really be firmly in the top ten, Michael Porter Jr., yeah. you know, if things break right for him, we're talking about a top ten player. And same thing with Miles Turner. He's not 25 yet, Ooh. but – Get Miles Turner on a team that knows how to use him. He is so insanely talented. When we talk about Cat as a player with so much, you know, moves in his bag offensively, shooting, you know, like mid-range game, post-game, turnarounds, finishes. Miles Turner is the same type of dude, except he's also one of the best rim protectors in the league. You know, we just see Indiana kind of misusing season after season now. Um, get him on a good team. He's averaging 25 and 12 with good defense. I mean, I, I still firmly believe that Miles Turner is one of my favorite guys in the league. Wow. See, you had me in the first half with Michael Porter. I, I'm completely 100% with you on that. That dude is a bucket. Miles Turner, though, I don't know about that one. I think Miles Turner is, at best, a very, very good role player. Like, like. A, a, a dulled man out of bio almost not not the, with the switchability but just that level of, uh, that caliber of player like he'll be your third best player on a championship team at, at best that, that's, that's high that's on like at his at his peak at his, at his absolute best case scenario that that's what we're getting in miles turner i'm not even sure if it's likely that he hits that just because i, I think miles turner 
very good shot blocker. He'll be a good rebounder. He'll be able to stretch the floor. But outside of those three things, what is he doing that separates him from, um, since y'all like to pull this guy out of the hat so much, Nerlens Noel? Well, it's the same thing, right? All centers well, not named Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Well, no, Jokic. it's because if you look at if you look at what Miles Turner does, not just the set three point shot, but you look at the stuff he does offensively, post turnarounds, like those sorts of moves. They're not the most refined, but he can make any shot in the bag. I mean, he and can. There's only three others. There's a difference between being able to make them and them being like reliable go tos. Like, are are you willing to? hang your hat on going to Miles Turner in a pinch? I'm more bullish that he can be make those skills into go-to skills than that just being flash in the pans. Hmm. Like, again, to me, there's only three other centers in the league that have that sort of offensive package. That's Embiid, um, Embiid Jokic, and Cat. And Miles Turner has everything there to be the fourth guy on that list. We just need to We just need to see it happen. I don't think he has a team that really supports him in that way to make it happen. Interesting. So, I'll hit y'all with... I was going to have three, but Michael Porter was one of them. One guy that I want to mention is Lonzo Ball. And before I start getting my, my you know Twitter mentions thrown at me or whatever the hell y'all want to do, I don't think that Lonzo Ball, even at his best, probably touches this list in terms of the top 10 players under 25. But I do think now that Lonzo Ball has a freer situation, no Drew Holiday, he is the, the lead guard on that team. You have a, an improving Brandon Ingram. You have Zion Williamson fully at your disposal next season. I think I'm going to predict that next year is the year that we see Lonzo Ball turn the corner to becoming the number two overall draft pick that he was. Are you sure Stan Van Gundy isn't going to be with his old school mindset? You know, I'm going to play the better guy. Let me put out, you know. I think Lonzo Ball is the better guy. Lonzo Ball is the better guy. Uh, Even if you throw Eric Bledsoe out there, um, I I think Lonzo Ball is ultimately going to prove himself to be better than Eric Bledsoe by season's end next year. I've had full confidence in Lonzo since he got drafted. Since he was a Laker, since he went to the Pelicans, like I, I've never not had confidence in Lonzo. A, the, the 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 passivity has been kind of frustrating from Lonzo, and then B, the shot, although it started to turn the corner, it's still not exactly re- at a state where it's reliable. But I feel like given the reins to an offense, and I predict that he will get the reins to the offense next season, he'll be able to start showing the flashes of what we all thought he could be. He might not be, you know, the 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 Stephen Curry with the 48-inch vertical like Mike Corzemba thought he was going to be, but I think he's going to start to become that Jason Kidd type of player that we all saw coming. Who said that? Oh, Mike, don't even worry about Mike Corzemba, bro. He, he he's he's in it for the YouTube views, bro. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that, that 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 I mean, <laughs> he does interesting videos. He does he does some interesting story videos, but his draft analysis perhaps not the best. He has no right to be talking basketball if he said that. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, clickbaits work. And then the other guy that I was gonna mention, Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, I got to ride for Memphis and Jaron Jackson. Right, this is a guy that before last season, people were ready for him to take the leap from pretty good rookie to like defensive player of the year caliber player but he just stayed in foul trouble so often that he never really got to be that um but when he is on the court and he's not fouling dudes the dude is one of you know you talk about game changing defenders in the league we talk about anthony davis and we're talking about ben simmons and jonathan isaac i have full confidence that jaron jackson can be that caliber of player 
if he can stop fouling people. He gets baited way too much. He gets he gets caught in too many silly fouls. But when that dude's on the court, man, premier defender in this league. He can protect the rim. He can go out on the perimeter. And not to mention, that dude has the funkiest, most reliable, I don't understand how it works, three-point shot. But it does. That, that shot works. It works. I mean, not just set, but the dude will step back with it. He can do all of that. I, I think Jaron Jackson, that dude... Now, that's a guy I wouldn't say Lonzo Ball could have made the list. I will say Jaron Jackson, if he starts hitting a stride, I think we could make an argument that Jaron Jackson might deserve to be on that list. Easily 20 and 10 with, with, with you know, top 10 caliber defense in the league. Yeah, I mean, this is the year that I think Jaron Jackson really has to make a leap or, or make whatever jump that people think that he can be. Um, I have more questions about him, especially after last year where he didn't really get better at the things he needed to get better at. But again, he's still young. And then in terms of Lonzo Ball, I've always thought his defense was overrated and he can't do anything in the half court on offense. So, I mean, what, what kind of player can you really get with him? Well, that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just rude. But, uh, no. I mean, I feel, I feel like I've said that all along. Like, his defense is just, you know, for, for the camera, for, for the camera clips, you know, and, and his offense, like, sure, you can do stuff in the fast break, like, but have you ever seen him run a pick and roll correctly? Like, I mean, have I, I don't know. ever like in the history of his career? Yeah, I mean, of course he has. But well, the, yeah, I mean, the thing like, about pick and roll, the, the thing about pick and rolls, you have to be able to read defenses, which he can do. You have to be able to pass the ball, which he can do. But then that's almost where he stops. You also have to be able to be a threat to to, to be able to run a pick and roll. Ideally, you have to be a threat. Uh, uh, um, an offensive threat, whether it's shooting or, or driving the ball. And he's not the best finisher with, by with, any stretch of the imagination. That's my thing with Lonzo is that you do have to be a threat to run the pick and roll, but I think he's capable of becoming a bit more threatening than he has been. He's just been so passive ever since he's gotten into the league. I don't know whether it's him being in his own head, him wanting to create for other people, but if, if he's going to take the step that I feel like he can, is capable of taking, he has to be a little bit more assertive on the offensive end of the ball. Otherwise, his, his career is going to be right where he's at. But his definition of being assertive is assertive on the offensive end on a fast break. His it's definition be of more. assertive his, his definition of assertiveness will not be running a pick and roll. I'm gonna let me create three feet of separation with the step back and, and shoot a little mid range jumper because that's gonna be brick. It's gonna be a brick. He's not un, he's not unassertive because he chooses not to be. He's unassertive because he's not good enough to be assertive. See, that's what that's where I disagree. That's where I disagree. I think he he has it. I mean, there's no way, right? Even when we look at him play in high school, right? The dude, I'm not going to sit up here and say that he was going to be dominating dudes like he was in high school, but there's no way when you watch him shoot today and you watch him shoot in high school, I mean, the rim's still damn 10 feet tall. The court's a little bit wider. There's better defenders, but a shot's a shot. Like, some, the shot just went away for the dude. I don't know what got in his head. Well, the rim is softer in college and high school. That's another thing. The rim is what much, much softer. I mean, sure, but it wasn't like every shot he was taking in high school was clanking in. Like the dude, he had a he had a heater. But, it's a but, confidence thing with Lonzo Ball. That's that's my but, biggest thing with him. I think it's always been people, a confidence thing. People with funky shots can still have a consistent jumper off a catch and shoot. People with funky shots can't really have a, a super consistent jumper. You know, a, a one-two mid-range shot. Uh, uh, off the dribble because it's especially with Lonzo. I know he kind of fixed it, but when it's coming, you know, from this side, he can't, from from his left side, he can't really dribble right. Then you know, 
in you know turn around midair because it's just gonna it's it's gonna be a brick just just because his shot his form won't allow him to really jump from any you know sort of angle and adjust in the air he's just too like funky with it hmm. well I mean, the thing for me it's it's never been about the shot but it's that he can't finish and he can't try to get to the free throw line because he because he's even worse of a free throw shooter than he is a you know three-point shooter and that i mean again these are things that weren't issues before with lonzo ball i, I it, it's a head thing man that i mean i I've taken a particular interest as of late of just the mental aspect of sports. When I look at Lonzo Ball, I, I feel like that's a guy that suffered on the brunt end of just, you know, getting in his head too often and, and kind of having that case of the yips. But hopefully I think he's capable of overcoming it. I, I think he's definitely starting to turn the corner with the sort of detached approach that the dad's starting to take. But, uh, you know, I, I still have the most, you know, probably more than most. I have more faith in Lonzo Ball um, being, a you know, Maybe a fringe all-star caliber player like Malcolm Brogdon. I see him being in that range of player. I, I still have that level of faith in Lonzo Ball. Wow, that's bold. Malcolm Brogdon-esque. Hey, man. I'm a bold dude. But I think that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, go check out the Instagram and the Twitter at SQR1Hoops. Um, please go spam Julio's Twitter or Instagram or whatever, calling him a fat phobia person because he is, he hates Zion Williamson for no reason other than the fact that he has what a couple extra baby pounds of baby fat, man. Yeah. He's got a, he, he, his goal should be to get LeBron's body. Chiseled. LeBron is chiseled. I feel like that's just... And LeBron, and LeBron just pushes people off like crazy still, and he's lighter than Zion Williamson. Talk about unfair beauty standards. LeBron James's body, <laughs> we could all aspire to that. That's just not happening, bro. Like, that just don't happen. That's God, bro. That is God. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.